We're about halfway through our series on the Gospels. We've gone through Matthew and we've gone through Mark. This morning we're going to be looking at Luke, Jesus, the man. So I want to encourage you, if you'll take your Bibles and look in Luke, uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures in Luke, and you can thumb through uh, the front and the back as we go through that. Uh, I think this is probably, I, I say this, you know, I say this sometimes, and it doesn't turn out that way. I don't think I'm going to be up here very long this morning, but we'll see how it turns out, all right? Well, we've gone about halfway through our series on the Gospels. We started in the book of Matthew, where we saw the focus of Matthew was on uh, his kingship. And Jesus came as the king to the Jews. Matthew's focus was how that he was uh, on his uh, kingly lineage, his genealogy is given to us in the book of Matthew. And I don't think it's an accident. I mean, when Matthew's focus is on Jesus being the king, he only took the lineage of Jesus all the way back to David. And he kind of hesitates at, the, at David, King David. And then he goes all the way back to Abraham, the originator of the, the Hebrew people or the Jewish people. And he stops there. He stops and... And it's the covenant that God made with Abraham that he would bring forth a seed or the Messiah through him. And this morning as we look in the book of Luke, we're going to look at the man Jesus. Well, the genealogy or the lineage in the book of Luke, because of his focus, takes us all the way back to Adam in the garden. So we're going to see the different focuses that they have. So... Uh, in the book of Matthew, as it focused on Jesus the King, I love what God done at the end of His crucifixion. You'll notice at the top of the cross, in three different languages, God ordained it, that it said, Jesus, King of the Jews, in three different languages. If you'll remember, uh, the Jewish people were mad, and they went to the king and said, Hey, we want you to put up there that He says... He is king of the Jews. But we know that God is sovereign. And He was announcing to the world that you just crucified your Messiah. You just crucified the king of the Jews. Now, don't be mistaken. That kingdom that God promised way back to Abraham, that kingdom that would be established on, that earth, on this earth, and Jesus would rule and reign over it, and He would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Let me tell you, that day is still to come. God's plan has not been altered by man's action. God is sovereign, and, and it will take place. But that's what we noticed in the book of Matthew. Now, we went last two weeks, we were in the book of Mark. And we started off in the first week, we talked about how Mark was a servant. And or his focus was on Jesus being the servant. We saw how Jesus served others. How he taught that, listen, if you want to be high in the kingdom of God, then what you are to do is to be lowly and serve others. And Jesus even set the example in washing the disciples' feet when He knelt down the night before He was crucified and, and uh, He washed the disciples' feet. That was a position of a servant. And He calls you and I all to be servants. We must, if we want to serve the kingdom of God, we must look at others before ourselves. Listen, We've received, if you're a born-again child of God this morning, you've received the greatest gift this world has to offer. Now take it and share it with someone else as a servant. Now last week 
We looked at Jesus as the suffering servant. We go to Isaiah chapter 52 and 53, and we read where God claims that my servant, talking about his son Jesus, would come and he would suffer and he would die on the cross and and pay for the sins of the world as a servant. And I believe that's what he's calling us to do. I want you to know, if you want to serve the Lord, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice things in your life. You're going to have to give up things that your flesh desires to serve what the Lord desires of you. So this morning, we're going to take off and we're going to look at the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, we're going to see that the focus is on Jesus, the man. Jesus was a man. He was 100% flesh just like me and you. Now understand this. He is 100% flesh just like you and me. I want you to know he had the ability to come out of that if he desired, but he disciplined himself. That's a word that I use. Or he humbled himself and he became a man. That's what he done. So that he could pay a price just like me and you. And you say, well, yeah, but he done some mighty things that other people couldn't do. Well, did he? Uh, I was sitting here thinking, well, yeah, you might say, well, Jesus rose, rose people from the dead. Well, let's see. Elijah did that also. So did Peter. So did some of the other disciples because God gave them the power through the gift of the Holy Spirit to do those things. Other people rose people from the dead. He gave the power to His disciples. And He said, listen, as I have given you, you so freely give. Go out and cast out demons. Heal these people from the sick. Hey, Jesus was able to give power through the Holy Spirit to do those very things. So you might say, well, yeah, but if He was 100% flesh, how did He do these things? He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit, which God also indwelt in other people to be able to give that, do those things. So... But Jesus was 100% man. And I want you to know when he walked all day, his feet hurt just like yours and my feet would hurt. When he, got, when he went all day without eating or he got to walking and he started sweating, I want you to know he got thirsty just like me and you. When he, when he was just, he was human. He has his emotions when he walked up and he saw that Lazarus had died or when he heard about, when he heard about uh, uh, John the Baptist being beheaded. I want you to know Jesus wept. He had emotions just like you and I. He was tempted just like you and I. We read in uh, the first part of Luke where he was taken out into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days. And we see that he was tempted. In, and he does. He gives us illustrations about being tempted in the, in the wilderness, making bread out of uh, rocks and all these things. And, and some people might even think, well, you know what? Yeah, those things are kind of... Those things are kind of biblical temptations, but I bet, he, I bet he never was exposed to temptations like you and I. I bet he wasn't exposed to what our teenagers were exposed to. Let me tell you, Jesus experienced every temptation that every single one of you have had. He has experienced every temptation. Jesus was tempted to be drunk. Jesus was tempted to curse Jesus was tempted to have sexual misconduct. Jesus was tempted just like every single one in this room, except without sin. He was tempted just like you. And that's why we can look to Jesus today. Precious Lord, take my hand. 
Lead me through this troubled land. I, that's why we can pray that prayer. He has gone and been everywhere you've been. Now, I'm way off the subject. None of this is in my notes. But, but you know what I love so much about the 23rd Psalm? The 23rd Psalm is talking about a shepherd. And the part of that Psalm talks about it. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Do you understand that when a shepherd was leading his sheep, the greatest pastures, the richest, the richest nutrition in the grass was on the plains that were at the top of the mountains in the spring. That's where they would lead the sheep because they were about to bear, bear babies. And man, they needed that nutritious grass. But do you understand that the shepherd had to lead those sheep up through these valleys and these crevices up to these higher plains? Well, guess what? The enemy knew exactly where every spring, they knew exactly when these sheep were going to be coming up here. And man, they were easy prey. But this is what the Scripture tells us about, about our shepherd. He did not get behind the sheep and drive them up through that valley and say, I hope you all make it through. This is what Jesus done for you and me. He walked up that valley and He faced the enemy for us. He faced death for us. And now He says, now come follow me. Okay? So what we have in Jesus is that He has already... He has bared every temptation that any of us have had and yet without sin. And now He calls us to follow Him, using Him as our help. So as we look this morning, look in Luke chapter 1. Let's, let's just begin there and let's, let's see why the book of Luke is in our Bibles. And we'll see the first three verses. This is what it tells us. <coughs> Luke writes this letter to a man named Theophilus, and this is why he writes it. Notice what it says here in these first couple of verses. It says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of these things which are most surely believed among us. What he's saying, he says, many have taken in hand. In other words, many people have written down the events of Jesus' life. They have talked about what they've witnessed. Word of mouth was spread about what Jesus had done or what they had witnessed. And he said, listen, this is what I'm going to do, Theopolis. This is his friend. He says, I am going to sit down and I'm going to give you an accurate account of the life of Jesus as I have seen it. Now, I want you to know, Luke, was he was a doctor, and I want, he was a true investigator. He knew, he knew how to get to the root of the problem. So listen to what it says he done. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. In other words, I spoke with eyewitnesses. I, gave, I got directly from the ones that have seen these things. I love this verse right here in verse number 3. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis. So what we're seeing here is this is a letter or a book to his friend Theopolis to explain and to get in order the things that, that he had witnessed in Jesus' life. And he says that he has perfect understanding. We know that the words in the book of Luke, every one of them, are inspired of the Holy Spirit of God. We read in the Scriptures. It's not any of this is of a private interpretation. 
but it is God-breathed or it is spoken of God through the Spirit of God to man that he wrote these things. So when he says that he has perfect understanding, he is not out of line at all in this. Now, as we look in again at the first couple of chapters of the book of Luke, we're going to see that it, it documents, again, Jesus the man. It goes into great detail in chapter 1 and chapter 2 about how Jesus, or the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist, was born, how his, his mother became pregnant, how Zechariah, his dad, uh, saw an angel, and it tells us great detail about that. One of the greatest details of the birth of Jesus we find in the book of Luke. Again, why do we see so many details? Because Luke's focus is on Jesus, the man. The man of Jesus. So we see this all through the first couple of of chapters uh, in the book of Luke. Uh, I I thought I had it wrote down here uh, in chapter... Ah, Luke chapter 2 and verse 9. Look in Luke chapter 2 and verse 9. Again, one of the evidences that we want to make sure that it was documented that Jesus, the Son of God, was born. In verse 10 it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find him, the babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel of a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There were witnesses of the birth of Jesus. The shepherds came and witnessed the birth of Jesus. Sometime later, the wise men came and bowed down, recognizing that Jesus was the Son of God, the Savior of the world. When when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple, and they walked into the temple, some of the one of the servants of the high the high priest came and and said, "This is the Son of God, the one that has been prophesied." I was told that I would see the Son of God or the Savior of the world before I passed from this world. And they were witnessing that Jesus was the Son of God, born of a woman. So when we read the book of Luke, we're going to see the evidence that Jesus was a man. Now you don't, you don't hear much about Jesus after 12 years old. Matter of fact, you don't hear much about Jesus after He was born. There was one event recorded in the Scriptures when Jesus was 12... And they came to the Passover and Jesus was around the temple and he was teaching with some of the, the priests there and the, the, the leaders of the, the city and they were astounded at his knowledge of the Word and the Scriptures and, and you get a little glimpse of his life when he was 12. Then uh, I've got a song that I sing that's from 12 to 33. You don't hear much. At the age of 30, Jesus was, was baptized and he began his earthly ministry. And then for three years, Jesus served on this earth as a servant, as a savior, as the son of God, as, uh, as, as our sacrifice. And then we see these three years uh, brought out in the gospels. 
So what we're going to focus on today, we want to look this morning, while Jesus was these three years in ministry, and listen, when I say three years in ministry, these three years didn't just happen this way, that Jesus was praying to the Father. We're going to see some of these verses. It talks about how He prays all night. He prayed before some important decisions were being made. And I want you to know, I believe from 12 to 30, Jesus lived that same exemplary life without sin, and I believe He was in constant contact with His Father. Constant contact with His Father. This morning, I hope that you'll be challenged this morning as we look at some of these scriptures on prayer that we see that we are challenged to have the same type of prayer life. The primary verse that kind of sums up all of Luke is Luke chapter 19. This is one of our key verses. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, if you'll look there with me. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, very short verse. It says, Therefore the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's His primary purpose. The Gospels explain that, how Jesus came to be our sacrifice. Then take a look at Luke chapter 5 and verse 15. And let's, look at, let's begin looking at some of the times that Jesus prayed and, and some of the prayers that, that Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 5 and verse 15. Jesus has been going out. He has been healing the sick and the lame. It says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad of Him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by Him of their infirmities. And He withdrew Himself into the wilderness and prayed. I tell you, one of the things that I I find that I get myself involved in, and I think a lot of other people get in this trap, I want you to know it's great to serve the Lord. It's great to serve the Lord. It's good to be it's good to serve the Lord in church. It's good to find a ministry to serve the Lord. But I want you to know a lot of times what I get caught up in, I get caught up in the busyness. I get caught up in the busyness of serving. The visiting the hospitals, going to the nursing home, performing weddings, performing funerals, getting ready for the service, getting ready for, for all the events that are taking place around the church. And you know what? Sometimes you can get too busy to pray. Did you realize that? I want you to know. That is one of the devil's ploys. It's nothing wrong with being busy. But when we get too busy to pray, when we get too busy to take time out for the Word of God, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. What Jesus is doing, Jesus is healing people, and, and it says He stops. I want you to know there were people still standing in line, but Jesus stops the ministry part, and He stops and goes and He prays, because I want you to know Jesus recognizes where the power that He has comes from. It's not coming from Himself. I want you to know I cannot do anything in my own strength. But all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. We must seek the Father in everything that we say and do. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And a lot of times, I mean, tell it, this is what a lot of people think. That means, oh man, I, 
I can't walk around with my head bowed all the time. He's talking about the attitude of prayer. I want you to know. Because after I studied this, I realized, and I, I know this sounds funny coming from the preacher, I recognized my weakness in my prayer life after I got through studying this. And this morning, as I laid in the bed and the alarm went off, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to start today off completely different. You know what I'm preaching on this morning. I'm preaching on prayer. I'm laying in the bed. My eyes are still shut, and I'm praying. I said, Lord, just give me something. Make my, the words that I say this morning, make them effective so, God, they can take what I supply them this morning, and it'll help change their life and the way they serve you. God, I'm fixing to put my feet on the ground now. And when I get my feet on the ground, God, I want to keep this attitude of prayer that I have right now. Because I want you to know, nothing was distracting me. I was laying flat. I was doing nothing. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm fixing to put my feet on the ground. And I want you to know, when I put my feet on the ground and I got up, you know what my next thought was? My next thought was, okay, now I've got to get a shower. Don't forget to turn the coffee on. And, And listen, I'm not saying that that was bad because that is part of life. But God wants us to have that attitude of prayer and contact continually. And that is what Jesus was doing right here. It says that He stopped. There was people being healed all around Him. And He withdrew Himself. And He went out and He prayed. Another one that we find is, look in Luke chapter 6, one chapter over. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 10. It says there he's, he is, he's, he's, this is on the Sabbath day and he's sitting around in the sanctuary or the synagogue and, and he's got a group of naysayers, Sadducees and Pharisees and, and here's this man that's got a wilted, wilted hand and these people are so caught up in legalism and, and Jesus is trying to let them know. He says, listen, it is okay for me to heal this man on the Sabbath day. Whether y'all think so or not, this is the right thing to do. So that's kind of the preface to these scriptures. In verse number 10 it says, And looking around about upon them all, he said to the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness. These are the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious leaders. And communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. They wanted to kill him. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer to God. Wow. All night in prayer to God. I I, I want you to know that Has anybody ever tried, and listen, this would be something that you intentionally tried to do. Has any of you ever tried to pray for 15 minutes? 15 minutes. Do you know 15 minutes is a long time? But I want you to know, the, the relationship that Jesus had with His Father was this. I mean, it was... I've heard people pray like this and some people call it very, very disrespectful. But the scripture tells us that he is 
Abba, Father, to us. Do you know what Abba means? Abba means Daddy. When Jesus went and prayed with Daddy, that was another, that's completely different. I can sit and talk to my dad for three or four hours. Me and my dad have a great relationship. Listen, this is the kind of relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father. And I want you to know, he desires for you to have that same kind of relationship. Jesus went and spent all night. But I want you to notice this too. The next morning, the reason that Jesus spent all night talking with the Father was the next morning, you'll see that next verse. And when it was day, he called into his disciples of them. He chose 12 whom also he named apostles. In other words, Jesus had an important decision to make. And when he had this great decision to make, he says, okay, Dad. Okay, I'm fixing to choose these 12. I need your help to make me the the decision. I've got a lot of people following me. Which 12 do I need to choose? So before before this great decision was made, there needed to be a lot of prayer put in this decision. And I don't think we do that much nowadays. I'm trying not to be too personal. Man, people just jump up and get married just like that nowadays without praying about it. People pick up and just take a job just just on a whim without praying for it. People decide they're going to move from one town to another town just like that and never spend time in prayer. I want you to know some of these are huge decisions. Huge decisions. And Jesus had a decision to make. He is the very Son of God, and I want you to know He spent all night in prayer talking about that. We need to pray. Some of you kids are fixing to take off to college. Man, I hope you just hadn't, this is where I've always wanted to go. Man, have you prayed about it? You prayed about it? Some of, us, some of us just choose friends or boyfriends or girlfriends just on a whim. I want you to know they have great effects on your life. Have you prayed about it? Before Jesus made huge decisions, he prayed. This time he spent all night in prayer. You know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that some of us treat God like a jack-in-the-box. Not the jack-in-the-box down here. And some of you kids may not even remember what a jack-in-the-box was. Most of us older folks know what a jack-in-the-box was. You took a little handle. Poke that man right back in the box. And the next time, okay, Jesus, I've got this little situation going on. Give me an answer right now. Pop! Okay, that's what I'll do. No more time than that. Listen, that's not what God... When we look at the example that Jesus gives us, here's another one. And he prayed all night. Look in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 in verse 1. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. I love hearing you turn those, turn those pages. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 it says, And it came to pass that his, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John 
also taught his disciples. I don't find this strange that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Did you notice they didn't say, Hey, would you teach us how to cast out demons? Would you teach us how to heal the lepers? Would you teach us how to raise the dead? He said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? You want to know why? I think they recognized the greatest significance in Jesus' life was his prayer life. Prayer is your communication to God from your heart. God's Word is His communication back to us. All right? There's the, there's the communication. You, we pray from our heart to God, and He will answer our prayers, and He communicates us all, almost 99% of the time. He communicates with us through His Word. So when we, he tells us that he's, Jesus sat down and he taught them to pray. I want you to know I love this. I love this. Had a new believer came to me a couple of weeks ago and just simply said, Brother Wayne, would you teach me how to pray? Now let me ask you a question. Christians of 10, 15, 20 years, if someone was to come to you and say, Hey, can you teach me how to pray? Can we teach them how to pray? Can we say, listen, follow my example. Let me show you how I commune with God. I spend this amount of time in the morning. I spend this amount of time during the day. I spend this amount of time in the evening. I pray and I seek Him. I want you to know there's nothing wrong, and I've said this before, there's nothing wrong driving down the road, praying as you're driving down the road. I believe that God wants us to be in prayer to Him constantly without ceasing. But I do want us to know this. God wants us... To have no distractions. There, there needs to be a time in our life when we speak to God when there's no other distractions around us. That's when it tells us that Jesus went off into a secluded place, a solitary place, into the wilderness. It was just Him and God, no distractions. Kind of like it was this morning with me, laying in the bed. No distractions until my feet hit the ground. And when I started having to use my mind to pick up my feet and go and make the coffee and start the shower and brush my teeth, I want you to know my mind was going in a lot of different directions. But prior to me getting out of the bed, nothing was taking place but just me and God. Just me and God. He prayed before he made decisions. He prayed even in the act of ministry, being alone. Luke chapter 9 And uh, I'm going to just go through these quickly. Luke chapter 9 and verse 18, it says, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Who say the people that I am? Again, he was alone praying. I want to to bring out one more verse to you and uh, uh, talking about prayer. This is a scripture, This in study, and you come across these scriptures that you've read a jillion times and never noticed them before. Luke chapter 21 and verse 33. I want you to, if you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. And again, the focus I want us to see this morning is Jesus the man prayed, sought guidance from the Lord. Watch this. Luke chapter 21 and verse 33. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed or take warning to yourselves least at any time your hearts be overcharged with... Now, I had to look this word up because I don't know how to pronounce it. But it says, Take heed to yourselves, least at any time your hearts be overcharged with... Somebody pronounce that word for me. Surfeiting. Surfeiting. 
and drunkenness. Let me tell you what the word surfeiting means. It means the effects of drunkenness. Watch this. That word means headaches. It, it almost means uh, hangover. The staggering that drunkenness gives you. Watch what it says again. Take heed. Listen, this is a warning, everybody. If you've been sleeping, now listen right here. Take heed to yourselves, least at any time your hearts be overcharged with these effects of drunkenness and drunkenness. Listen to this. And the cares of this life, the things that go on around us all, all the time, and so that the day come upon you unaware... For as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of the earth. In other words, he says, listen guys, the cares of this world, there's going to be times in your life everything seems to be peaceful. But then there's going to be days the cares of this world are going to overwhelm you. Anybody had some overwhelming days? Weeks? Months? He says, be careful, I'm warning you right now. Now he tells you how to deal with those things. Watch this. For as a snare shall come on all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth, watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be able to be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Let me tell you, Jesus prayed. We need to pray. I was looking as I was studying, and and the question kind of comes up whether or not Jesus was truly the Son of God or not. And if you listen to all the things that Jesus said while He was here, you, you you're gonna have to make a decision. There's only a couple of ways that you can decide: either Jesus Christ was a lunatic and a liar, or He was Lord. That's what it boils down to. I mean, you can't you can't say, well, he was making some some uh, some statements that couldn't come true. I mean, Jesus came performing miracles, raising the dead, healing the sick. He says he's the Son of God, and somebody says, oh, that wouldn't. He was either a liar or a lunatic, or he was Lord, and that's all that's all it boils down to. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus Christ is Lord. My challenge to us this morning, if Jesus prayed, we should pray. I, I, I want us to take an inventory this morning of our lives. Is there a time in our life that we consciously set aside a time and pray and seek after God? If there's not, maybe that's a decision you need to make during this invitation time. Let's stand together. Fathers, we come to you at this time. This is nothing special about this song. Nothing special about this time. It's just a time that we set aside after we've read your word and uh, challenged our hearts by the Holy Spirit to make a decision on what we've just heard. It's an invitation time. So, Father, I pray that as this invitation is being offered uh, for people to make decisions to draw closer to you, that you'll be pleased with every decision that's made this morning. Nothing that has to be public or pronounced at the altar, but God, many decisions will be made this morning standing right there in those pews. And I 
Pray that you're pleased with all of our decisions. God, we just want to offer up this time. Again, be pleased with our decisions this morning and our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.